that song are, are just perfect in my mind because God is making all things new. And you know, we've all got problems. We've all got struggles. In the prayer room this morning, I was praying and I was saying, Lord, I thank you that you've allowed me to experience some difficulties because it gives me an opportunity to walk that out in front of you guys and hopefully not fall on my face all the time, but show you that you can walk through difficulties and you can still be victorious. You can still have hope. You can still have peace. You can still have joy. So rather than whine and complain, I choose to embrace 
all of it. And just say, Lord, I'm in for the haul. I'm in for the long haul, the whole deal. And I want to read you a passage out of uh, Exodus 15. Children of Israel just crossed the Red Sea. And they are rejoicing. And they sing this song. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. That's what the Lord has done to the devil. He has overthrown him and he has put him under his feet. But the devil doesn't want to accept that and so he keeps fighting us. And so every day it's a struggle for us to keep him in his place. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. In the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath, and it consumed them like stubble. With the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths concealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. That's what the enemy is saying. I came to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to take away everything good in your life. And he says, ah, but you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You've guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. And then Miriam, at the end of the chapter, she begins to sing that same song. She says, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. That's why we come and worship together. Because we know that God has redeemed us. He has delivered Jesus. us. He has triumphed gloriously. Yes. And we celebrate his provision for Hallelujah. us. And yes, I know. You've got problems. I've got problems. I don't brag about my problems, but believe me, I've got problems. I've got struggles. I've got issues. I've walked through difficult times. And I know some of you are going through that right now. But God has redeemed us. Hallelujah. And he has triumphed gloriously. Thank you. And he has overthrown all the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. We need to get our eyes on that. Yes. And when we become on the same page and in the same agenda as the Lord, when we begin to walk with him in the knowledge of his provision and care and love for us, all of our problems seem small. They don't seem so big and overwhelming. Lord, this morning, we choose to worship you. Yes. We choose to acknowledge your greatness, Lord. We choose to acknowledge you, that we were messed up and broken. Yes. That we were on a, a lonely road to a place unknown, but you're making all things oh, new, hallelujah. Lord. You are making all things Thank new you, in Jesus. our lives. Thank so this morning, we choose to, 
to focus on you making us new rather than all of our failures and problems. We choose to focus on you and your greatness and your glory today instead of our difficulties that we face tomorrow. We choose, Lord, to worship you and lift up your name that you would come and pour your spirit out and change us here today in your presence, Lord. We embrace you. We embrace all the struggles of this life and we say we are going the distance. You said you are never going to leave us or forsake us. And you're going to lead us in triumph and cause us to be more than conquerors. And you fill us with your joy. You fill us with your peace. You've given us a hope that doesn't end today or tomorrow. It is forever, Lord. And I thank you that you are here this morning to refresh us in your presence, Lord. You're here to speak to each one of us. For those anxieties and fears and doubts and troubles that we face, Lord, speak what we need to hear today. It will calm all those fears and doubts. Cause them to just fall. Let them sink like rocks to the bottom of the ocean. Yes, Jesus. Just like you did with Pharaoh and all of his chariots, Lord. You have overthrown. You have triumphed gloriously. And this morning, we are going to celebrate you and your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Like sweet. 
Oh 
Lord, you are so good. Yes. I thank you, Lord, that you came to us. You called us. You sought us out. And you eventually you won our hearts, Lord. And we, we like to say that we accepted you, but I know that you won my heart because your love is irresistible, Lord. When we begin to see you as you are and hear your voice calling us, you are irresistible. Lord, I just thank you that you have come to us and you continue to pursue us until your great grace won us over and we were able to say yes to you. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you overlook all of our past. You forgive us and cleanse us. You redeem us. And you don't leave us all messed up and broken, but you forgive us and you heal us. You make us a new creation in you. And then you begin to gradually make everything new. Day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, you are making us new in every place in our lives, every part of our lives, every attitude, every wound that we have in our heart and our soul, every offense, everything that we've done wrong or has been done wrong to us, or you are healing and restoring yes, us all the time. You, you are making us new. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Lord, that every day, it's a new day. Thank it's you, a new Jesus. day to wake up and experience your mercy yes. and your grace, Hallelujah. making me new, redeeming me out of my brokenness. You, and I realize that that I've got problems, and today I say, heal me, and you heal me. And tomorrow I wake up, and I realize maybe I've got some other problems, and I ask you to heal me, and you heal me. And Lord, you never say, wow, does it ever end? No, you just say, keep coming. Yes. Keep coming, child. You, keep coming, and I'll keep redeeming you. I'll keep healing you. I'll keep pouring out my mercy and love and grace on you because you're my child, and I love yes. you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you never give up on us. You never get tired. Your love never fails, it never ends, it never runs out. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that you don't change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We exalt you, Lord, because you are God this morning. And you are here. And I thank you, Lord, that you're here to speak to us. You're here to stir us and refresh us. You're here to, to breathe life into us. You're here to refresh our hearts and souls, Lord. We become weary sometimes with all the, the cares of this life, the things we do, the struggles and the, the battles we face, the unknown about tomorrow or next week or next year or whenever. And you're the God of all of that. You're the God of today and you're the God of tomorrow and you're the God for all eternity. And I thank you, Lord, that we can put our trust in you. It's safe to trust you. We just saying that we, we lay all that we have and we are, we lay it before you, Lord. We want to be in your hands. We open up our hearts for you to see right inside of us to the very deepest parts, some of those areas that we've even been afraid to even speak to you about because they seem so dark and awful. And yet today, Lord, I want to, I want to invite you every part of my life, every area of darkness, Lord, I want your light to shine and just dispel darkness. Every area that I'm broken, every area that I've got wounds in my soul, Lord, I want your spirit to come. Make me new. Heal me. Restore my soul. Renew my mind, Lord. Do a great work, that great redemptive work in me that I need, Lord, so I can, I can be free 
to worship you, free to follow you, free to hear your voice and not be bound up in shackles of my past and failures and flaws and things that I'm, I'm ashamed of and I've got guilt over doing. You've forgiven me. Help me to accept your forgiveness, Lord. Help me to know that your forgiveness is enough, that I don't have to carry those burdens anymore. If you forgive me, I'm forgiven. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, help me to see that you have forgiven me. You've redeemed me. And I need to rejoice in you because you have triumphed gloriously in all of my past. You've thrown it into the sea and you've forgotten it. And you're not choosing to remember it anymore. And you're reminding me that I shouldn't be remembered anymore either. I need to forget the past. I need to move forward. I need to let you heal every part of my past and redeem it so that I am free to walk with you today and tomorrow and in the future. I thank you, Lord. You never give up, Lord. You are working in us for our good all the time. I rejoice in that, Lord. I thank you that you are teaching us daily how to trust you more. Teaching us daily the skill to stand still and see your salvation, Lord. I thank you that you have made this wonderful way for us to come into your presence and know you. And Lord, you've made a way for us to walk through the dark times and the difficult times. You have shown us the way that we can stand still and see your salvation. And it's in all the work of the cross, Lord. That's the way. It's in you, Lord Jesus. You are the way. You are the truth and you're the life, Lord. And I thank you that you are showing us more and more each day how to walk with you and how to trust you and how to turn our lives over to you and how to know that it's safe to put everything in your hands. We don't have to be fearful. Even the things we don't understand, the things we don't know, the things we know in our power, in our finances, in our knowledge and wisdom, we can't deal with it. But you have made a way, Lord. You are the Redeemer. And I thank you that you are leading us where we need to go so that we can be healed and whole, Lord. You're leading us. Like David said, Lord, you, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You lead me by the, by the still water and the green pastures. And you also lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you're with me all the days of my life, Lord. And you're pouring out the oil on me. And you're pouring out your mercy and your goodness. And they're, they're hope, upholding me, Lord. And you are putting me at peace right in the very presence of my enemies. I thank you, Lord, that you are doing that in us right now, today, in this place. You are restoring our souls. You are healing us, and you are assuring us that you are with us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you have met with us this morning. You've refreshed us in your presence, Lord. We have encountered the living God this morning, and I thank you for that. Thank you for the words that we've heard this morning. When we sang, you were singing over us as well. You were telling us of your great love for us. You were telling us of your, your great provision and care for us. You were telling us how much you desire to be with us. Lord, I thank you that you call us. You call us to come, and you invite us into your presence. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you don't ever refuse us or reject us, but you always invite us to come. Maybe we need to come and ask forgiveness 
but we need to come. Maybe we need to come and ask for healing, but we need to come, Lord. Maybe we need to come and just tell you how much we love you, express our gratitude and thanks to you for what you've already done in our lives, but we need to come. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to come. And I choose today to come. I choose to lay everything before you and let you have complete control to come and heal, restore, remove, deliver, take the chains and the shackles away for you to come and to, to point me in the right direction, to get me back on the path that leads to the righteous life that you've led me to. Lord, that you would come, speak the words that I need to hear. This is the way. Walk in it. I need to hear your voice this morning, Lord. I thank you that you are all about expressing your great love and forgiveness to us, Lord. Your mercy is great. It endures forever. You are good, and your mercy endures forever, Lord. Let that be our song that we would sing over and over all day long every day. You're good, and your mercy endures forever. You're good, and your mercy endures forever. Our God is a God of love and mercy and grace, and he is good, and his mercy endures forever. He is good, and his mercy endures forever. I want to sing that all day long every day for the rest of my life and throughout eternity because you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. I've tasted and seen the goodness of God. I've seen your hand upon my life, Lord. I've seen it in the good times and I've seen it in the bad times. And I thank you, Lord, that your hand is always good. The good hand of the Lord is upon me, Lord, and I thank you for that. You are not about beating us up or punishing us. You're about leading us into righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. You're about forgiving and healing and changing us. You're about bringing happiness and peace and joy and love into our lives. You're about making us good because you are good. I choose to accept that goodness, Lord. I thank you. Thank you for your goodness in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you're healing our bodies. You're healing our hearts and minds, Lord. Some people in this body have been through terrible things. They've experienced pain, physical pain and setbacks. They've experienced emotional trauma. They've experienced financial uh, difficulties. But Lord, you are showing us that you are God over all of those circumstances. Your grace truly is sufficient. It is enough because you are enough. Hallelujah. We rejoice in the victories that we've seen, Lord. I rejoice that you never leave us or forsake us, but you're there with us. And when we trust in you, when we keep our eyes on you, nothing this world can offer can distract us and nothing that the enemy can bring against us can defeat us because he is defeated and we are victorious because we are in you, Lord. And you have triumphed gloriously. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. We embrace your word this morning because your word is truth. Your word is life. It is the light and the lamp to our feet and the path that we walk, Lord. And we get out of the get out of the path a little bit. Your light shines and says, here's the way. Walk in it. I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord God. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. 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 Will you say that with me? You are good and your mercy endures forever. You are good and your mercy endures forever. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, that endures forever. You've poured it out on us, Lord, and you continue to pour it out. It's new every day. It never runs out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Well, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord, because that's where your presence is, Lord. When I come here, everything else just seems to not matter so much because in your presence, there's fullness of joy, Lord. In your presence, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And it's all in your presence, Lord. We come and we're refreshed. The cares of this life just kind of fade away. They don't seem so big anymore. We can come out of here refreshed and enthusiastic about facing the, the challenges again. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are showing us how to walk in victory. Lead us, Lord God, in that triumph that you have in the cross, Lord. You triumph victoriously. You conquered death, hell, and the grave. You defeated sin and broke his power and dominion over us, and you set us free. Turn us loose from the sway of the evil one. And I don't want to go back there. I don't want to let him in anymore. I say, thank you, Lord. I am free, and I'm going to stay free. I am free indeed. I'm walking in the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, amen and amen. God is here. He is here to heal and deliver and change us. He's not here just to hang out with us, although he does that, but he's here to change your life for the good. Amen. Let's get into the word and... Uh, We've been in Colossians 2, and we're in verses 8 through 10. And I'm, I'm encouraged about this because the Lord is, uh, is speaking to me about some things that I think are going to be part of the future of this body. And as the Lord speaks to us, we can be prepared to move forward in the things that he's calling us to do. And that's, that's what we're all about. Uh, you know, when we come together to worship, it's to express our love and appreciation of the Lord, but it's also to hear from Him. And we need to be able to come in and get our eyes on Him. And when we do that, then He can begin to speak to us and direct us. And then when we go out of here, we know better what we're supposed to be doing because we've heard from God. And I hope and pray that when, when I'm speaking to you, that you know, it's, it becomes God speaking to you, not just my knowledge and my words because I can give you all kinds of information and facts and it won't do anything for you really except maybe make you a little smarter but if I give you something from God that'll change you forever and so that's that's my prayer every time is that you know my my words will just reflect the heart of God because that will change your life so let's read this passage again we we read it last week and we talked about verse 8 and we're going to Begin there. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's the head of all principality and power. So he says, Beware. Be on the lookout for it. Be careful. Be vigilant. Be aware. Let someone cheat you or take control of you or seduce you or enslave you. And they're going to do it 
by trickery. They're going to do it by deceiving you. They're going to bring a philosophy. It's a belief system. It's, you know, it's contrary to God. It's the way of the world. But they're going to, they're going to say, man, this is, this is true. This is proven. This is, this is what all the experts, this is what all the experts say and believe. This is what the professors in the university say and believe. And this is what all of our scientists have taught us now. Everyone that believes in the philosophy of the world believes this. And the encouragement is that you would go along with that. Because if you don't go along with it, you're considered to be a rebel and some kind of an outcast and a loser. Well, I'd rather be a loser for the sake of the kingdom than to be considered all in for the sake of the world's philosophy and uh, their traditions. So you have to be constantly aware and on the lookout so that you don't get cheated through philosophy and empty, empty deceit. That would be uh, stupid and foolish deception. It's trickery. It's delusion. It's causing you to, to see something and accept it as the truth, and in reality, it's a lie. Your eyes can play tricks on you, and, uh, and so can your mind. You know, If you allow your mind to go places it shouldn't, you'll begin to, to get confused about what's true and what's not. Uh, the enemy is a, he is an expert in deception and delusion. You know, if you ever, I don't watch that kind of stuff much anymore, but it is interesting, these magic shows, you know, I mean, they, I mean, it's all sleight of hand, you know, they're not really disappearing, they're not really doing those things, but they are very slick, I mean, they are good, they're the hands and, you know, they can do all that. My oldest grandson can do some pretty amazing card tricks, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, I, I, I watch him do it, and I can't figure out how he did it. But it's all just trickery. It's deception. You know, he, he doesn't know what's in your mind. He's figuring it out by, by what he's doing, and he's tricking you. Well, that's the same way with the devil. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking, but he knows from a lot of years' experience how people think, and he knows from you personally how he's suckered you before and how you've fallen that it will probably work on you again if he uses that same thing on you. So he comes back and he begins to put thoughts in your mind. So we have to be on guard. We have to be constantly on the lookout so that we're not cheated or deceived or brought in enslaved by traditions of men. That would be the, the things that are handed down and respected by all the authorities and the principles of this world. The, and the whole idea is that these are, these are things that are accepted in the world they are ways of the world. They're the way the world thinks. They believe that they are the right way. And they believe if you do the right things that they say, that you'll be successful and things will go well for you. Your life will be in order. That's why we have teachers that say the things they do about uh, all the things that they talk about. They, they either believe it or they want you to believe it. Sometimes it's like people work really hard at trying to make you believe the truth when the truth would just be so much easier. But, but the truth has requirements, and people don't like those requirements. That's why, that's why we have atheists and agnostics, because they don't want to accept the truth, because the truth causes them to be accountable to God, to a higher power, and they don't want to be accountable they want to be able to do anything and everything they want. No accountability, no responsibility. It's just whatever I feel good about, I can do. Whatever the country will allow is okay. Well, 
the people helping make those laws are doing it apart from God's plan, and those laws are becoming more and more ungodly. And so that whole notion about I can do anything that I want to do and that's legal, it's becoming less and less limited because what's legal is becoming more and more broad all the time. I mean, in just you know, 50 or 100 years, you can see how much our country has changed. There would have been a time when no one would have even considered some of the things that we have made in law now. I mean, you would have been considered a real uh, outcast of society if you believed or embraced some of the things that are being put out there now as, as acceptable and true and even made legal. So it's a constant battle. We have to beware. We have to be on the alert, be on the lookout so that we don't get tricked or enslaved by the ways of the world. The ways of the world are the ways of the devil because the world is under his sway. He is the God of this world. And as long as he is the God of this world, he is controlling the way people think and behave. And God is wanting to change all that through us, his people. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God is here, now. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's in you. And he also, when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, this is how you ought to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Here, now. And the only way that's going to happen is when God's people begin to move and operate in the power and the authority of the Spirit and begin to do the things that we've been called to do. So the enemy has control of a lot of the world system, but God is wanting to break that and bring us back into our proper dominion as his people. It's just a, it's a process. It's physically and spiritually, it's done, it's a reality, but in our everyday lives, it's a struggle because the devil doesn't give up. And if he can make you think he's got power over you, then he'll have power over you. If you accept that, then, then he will exert power over you. And there are difficult situations. There will be times that we don't win the battle. But it's not because God hadn't won the battle. It's because we aren't walking in faith or we're not doing the things that we need to do to overcome the lies and deception and, and the efforts of the enemy. So we have to be careful all the time. Be aware. Be on the lookout, on guard against the cheating and deception of the enemy and all the things that are according to the principles of the world and not according to Christ. That's the problem, is that we need to be focused on Jesus and what he's done, who he is, and what our lives are about now, not, not what the world is saying, not what... Uh, the devil may say, or what the teachers in school may say, or the politicians, or the newscasters, or anybody. We need to be listening to the voice of the Lord, and we need to be following what he says, not the traditions of the world. Because the, the ways of the world, they may seem right, but in the end, 
they will produce death and destruction just like the ways of the devil always have done. Jesus said he came to give us life, life more abundantly, but the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the way it's always been. From the very beginning, when the devil took, uh, took away the rule and domain of this earth from Adam and Eve, uh, it's been a struggle to try to get it back. And God has made a way, but we have, to, we have to embrace that and we have to do something. We have to trust and believe. We have to stand in the truth of God's word. Because if you listen to all the world system, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be disappointed. The world will tell you if you just work really hard and become successful, you'll be happy. And you'll make a lot of money and you'll be happy. Your life will be glorious and fabulous and everything will be hunky-dory. Well, you know, multiple marriages and addiction centers and, you know, bankruptcies down the road, you realize maybe that's not so true. That's the way of the world. And it's the same way it's always been. God says, here's my plan. And the devil says, but how about this? This is, this is better. Who are you going to listen to? We need to be aware all the time. Be aware because it's sneaky. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so deceptive. You know, the devil doesn't come to you with flashing lights, you know. I'm going to deceive you. You know, he comes to you with, you know, little whispers or little twists of the truth or maybe just something that's really appealing or shiny or glittery. It's like, wow, you know, I could do that and I'd be happy or I'd be uh, famous or whatever. Those things are appealing to you, but it's deception. We need to realize that not everything that glitters is gold, and in this world, most of it is not. All the, all the things that get rich quick and the, you know, the, every, every product that's advertised, they all tell you how great it is. That's just the way of the world. The only one that really has a great product that won't fail you is the Lord. His product is perfect. It doesn't fail. He can live up to his advertising. Now, you know, there are people that would accuse God of not performing his word. There are people that would say he failed them in their time of need. But, um, but I would submit to you, it's all about our hearts. It's all about how we see God. And sometimes there are things we go through. And God's not doing it to you. But God chooses, for whatever reason, to allow you to go through it. You know, it's within God's power. He could just say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you from that. I'm not gonna, none of my people are going to have a problem. None of my people are going to experience any pain or suffering or sorrow or disappointment. It's just going to be hunky-dory for everybody, forever. But God, that's not God's plan. That's never been God's plan. Even in the garden, when things were perfect, he said, I want you to tend the garden. He didn't say, you don't have to do anything. He gave man some responsibility. He said, I want you to tend the garden. I want you to name the animals. I want you to rule and have dominion over all the animals. I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. Obey me. We have a responsibility. Our part is to do what God said. If we'll do the part that God says, he can take care of his part. And he will not fail. If we do the things that we're supposed to do, God will not fail. If you get your eyes on him, 
your problems don't seem so big anymore. So <clears throat> we need to be focused on everything according to Christ, not according to the world. That's where the deception comes in. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we, when we base everything that we hear and believe on the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of the word, we won't fall in deception. But when you begin to, to think maybe that scientists are, are more right than the word of God or you begin to think that uh, politicians are more right than the Bible or whatever, that's where you're going to get into problems. Anytime you begin to take the truth and compare it to the wrong thing, that's where you have a problem. There's only one truth that you can always count on. That's the truth of God's word. Everything else is subject to being changed. Maybe you don't think about this much, but you know, in our history of civilization, we have believed a lot of different things. And some of them, I mean, they have been portrayed as the truth. Our Supreme Court has portrayed things as this is right, this is righteous, this is the law. And then later, it's like, oh, not so much. We're changing that. Right now, we have some things that have been proclaimed to be legal and right, but we're hoping to see those things changed because we believe it doesn't line up with God's word. The truth is always the truth. The lies are always lies, but they can be deceptive. And that's why we have to just learn to be discerning and always compare things to God's word. If you use another standard, you'll be, you'll be deceived. But if you use God's word as the standard, all truth will become apparent. Okay, verse 9. <clears throat> For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To dwell means to inhabit or live in, to to be inhabited of, or to metaphorically, the divine powers or influence are said to dwell in your soul, pervade, or prompt, or govern it. So if, if all the Godhead dwells in Christ, in him, then he is filled with all of the divine powers that govern him. And that's exactly what he did. When he lived here, he was filled with all the fullness of God. And he lived a life that was above sin. He did have, uh, he did have a slight advantage over us in that he wasn't born with a sinful nature. So he started out with, with that advantage, but he never sinned. And he was tempted in every point, just like we. We know that because the Bible tells us that. But we also know that he was born of a virgin, so he didn't have an inherited generational passed down sin from Adam because God was his father. And the presence of the Holy Spirit came and overshadowed um, Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. She didn't have a man to pass down the sinful nature. And so Jesus was born without a sinful nature, and he lived a life without sin because he was obedient to the Lord. He didn't live that life without sin because he was God. He lived it because he was obedient. The Bible says he, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. But even though he was a son, he had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. He was a son, but he still had to learn obedience. And so he obeyed God because he was filled with the Spirit and he obeyed God. That was his heart's desire, and he did. 
But he didn't have the sinful nature to, to always be uh, pulling him back like we do. We, we become born again, but we've got that sinful nature that's kind of hanging on, and it, and it keeps trying to pull us back into some of the old ways. And that's why we need to be renewed daily. That's why uh, we are becoming new in every part of our lives. And as we allow the Lord to renew us and make us new, then the old nature loses its power over us, and we begin to operate in the new nature more and more and more, and we operate in the old nature less and less and less. As God increases in our life, our old nature fades away more and more. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The fullness, that's the completeness, the state of having every necessary or normal part or component or step. It's from a root word that means to fill to the full and to abound and to be liberally supplied. To fill to the full. So Jesus was filled to the full with God. And that's confusing because he is God. And Jesus prayed a prayer in John. He said, Lord, uh, I want you to, to make them one with you like you and I are one. And, and I'm going to be one with them and you're going to be one with me and you're one with them and one with me and we're all one. So it's kind of confusing because the Godhead is, it is God, but it is the Trinity. It is the, it is the three as one. And that concept is challenging enough in itself, but, but then when you start talking about Jesus being filled with the Godhead, uh, he's being filled with himself in part. But what, is, what, the, what we're really talking about is the fact that he was fully God. He was God. God is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. All three together, they are the Godhead. Any one of them is God, and all of them are God. can be a little over, overwhelming sometimes you start thinking about all that. But Jesus, when he walked on this earth, as a man, he was walking in the fullness of God, and he was walking in the fullness of man. He was a man. He had every, every need, every desire, every pain and sorrow, emotions like we feel. He experienced that. You know, he experienced rejection. He experienced love. He loved Lazarus, his friend, and Mary and Martha. I mean, he, he wept at, their, at the death of uh, Lazarus. Jesus experienced sorrow. He experienced love and emotions. He experienced rejection. He came to his own people, but they didn't receive him. They rejected him. Not only did they reject him, but they killed him. When you talk about rejection, I mean... You know, we, we feel pain when we're rejected. Someone says something that hurts our feelings or someone doesn't want to be our friend anymore. But being killed by the people you love, is that's pretty serious rejection. Jesus experienced all those pains and sorrows and temptations just like we do. And yet he did it without sin because he was following the Lord and he was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. So I believe that we can, we can live and not sin. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but you can live for periods of time without sinning. I think it's a cop-out to just say, well, you know, we're all going to sin. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and 
No, well, that's true on one level, but you're not really a sinner anymore. You're a saint now. And you shouldn't be calling yourself a sinner because you shouldn't be a habitual sinner. You should be delivered from your sin. And you are a saint that falls sometimes. And you have to repent and confess your sin and be forgiven. But you shouldn't be calling yourself or thinking of yourself as a sinner all the time. Now, you know, everybody's different. Some people, you may go an hour without doing something that you, you feel like is a sin, and you would be all excited about that. Maybe other people, it's half a day or a day. Maybe you go a week even. I don't know. Yeah. But, but the point is, I believe you can go for periods of time without falling to the temptations of sin. The Bible tells you you can. Don't let sin have dominion over you. It, it, it says it shall not have dominion over you anymore. I mean, there, it's been broken. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He broke sin's power and dominion in our lives. But we have to walk that out. And we do that by renewing our soul, restoring our soul, renewing our mind. It's a process. Every day as we grow in the Lord, we spend time praying, reading the word, the Lord is maturing us so that we can trust him more. We know more of his word. We know how to respond to temptations and struggles and trials. And we don't fall to temptations as often because we are walking in the fullness of the Lord just like Jesus did. He gave us the example. He showed us how to do it. If you want to walk in, in, uh, in a lifestyle that is not bound in sin, do the things that Jesus did. He prayed. He spent time with the Lord. He knew the word. When the enemy came to him, he didn't say, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. He said, man doesn't live by bread, but he lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I mean, he quoted the scripture to the devil. He knew how to respond to the attacks of the enemy. And if you will learn how to respond, you will be more victorious too. If you don't know how to respond, you're probably going to lose the battle a good portion of the time. So the bodily part about this indwelling of the Spirit in, in uh, Christ was that it was, it was real. I mean, he had the fullness of it. It was there. It wasn't just a concept. I mean, he was filled with God. He was God in the flesh. But he didn't do everything that he did as God. He did it as a man. He suffered and died as a man. And he, and he lived his life perfect as a man. And he became the perfect sacrifice for us because he lived that way. So that's who Jesus is. And he is in us. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. Now, the Tree of Life version says... In him you are complete. And I like that. I think that's, that's a little better. You are complete in him sounds really good. But if you think about in him you are complete, that sounds even better to me because it's all in him. It's in him that I'm complete. Not that I'm complete when I'm in him. It's only in him that I can even be complete. It is in him that I am complete, that I'm filled with the fullness and I'm filled with the fullness. And he is the head of all principality and power. That means he is the leader. He is the person who is in charge. He's understood. 
I mean, we know that he's the head of the body, the body of Christ, and he is the head. He is in charge. He is the leader. And if we're not obeying and following the head, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be like the old chicken with his head chopped off. And you'll be just flopping around and running around with no, no direction, no, no uh, knowledge of where you're going, can't see where you're going, you know, running in things. You get it? He's the head. And if we're not following the head, we're not going to be operating correctly. The body of Christ has a job to do. That's the reason that we have the problems we have right now in our country, because the body of Christ has not done what we should be doing. The body of Christ is supposed to be following the head. When we follow the head, there will be signs and wonders following the body of Christ. There will be miracles. There will be people being saved. There will be uh, truth in our schools, truth in our news media, truth in our politicians. I mean, we've always had problems. There are men. There are men and women that are not believers. There's always going to be some. They're ungodly. When they're ungodly people leading and doing things, they're going to give you their perspective and their persuasion, and, and it's going to be deceptive. But more and more of our politicians, more and more of our teachers and news broadcasters need to be believers. They need to be teaching and saying and reporting truth. That's what our nation has been founded upon, truth. And we've deviated from it a lot of times, and we're really deviating from it now. But he, Jesus, is the head of all. That's not just, that's a very descriptive term. The Greek word is pos. It means each, every, any, every, and the whole put together. All. Not just a principality, but all principalities and all powers. That word power and principality, there's... There's like four different words that, that represent power and authority in the New Testament. And they, they are very similar in meaning. But uh, principality is arche. That means uh, a ruler. Someone that's, he has dominion or rule. And the word, uh, the word for power here is exousia, which is authority or jurisdiction. And the significance of this is that Jesus... Is the head over all of that. There is no authority or jurisdiction that is outside of his rule and domain. There is no rule or dominion that is outside of his domain because he is the head of all that. And I, I'm not going to make it through these next verses in Ephesians, but they, they tell us the same thing, that Jesus is over all principalities and powers. He's over all dominions and thrones. He's over all things. And he is the head of all those things. There is not any power or authority that is not under his jurisdiction. That's significant for us to know because we need to operate in the power and the authority of the kingdom. And in that, we know that Everything is under his feet, and we have power and authority over that. The only thing the, power, the, the devil can have power over you in is things that you allow him to have it. I mean, we, we think the devil has power, and he does. But it's, in a believer, it's really only if you let him have it. He is defeated. 
He cannot usurp power over you unless you let him. Now, there are areas of our lives that we are in deception. I know that's surprising for me to say that to you, but there, you know, there are things in your life that you've not really ever gotten straightened out yet, probably. <clears throat> and those areas, the enemy can still usurp power over you. He has control over you. If you give place to the devil, he'll take that place and he'll keep it until you kick him out. And our job is to, is to spend time with the Lord and say, Lord, show me. Show me that stuff. Shine your light into me. Expose any area that maybe the enemy's got some influence on. Any area that, you know, habits in my life. Places that I've been wounded and hurt or offended. And, and because of that, you know, I immediately get angry when someone says something to me or, you know, I get defensive when someone says to me or I, I reject people because they're going to reject me. You know, those are all responses that it, re it reflects a wound in you. And when you've got a wound in your soul, it causes you to respond to situations and people in a way that is not God's plan for you. So the enemy can usurp authority over you in those areas because you're, you've, you've let him. You let him stay in control. That's why we need to be praying all the time that the Lord would give us insight, give us revelation. And as we read the Word, let the Word reveal who you are and what, what God is saying to you because He wants to set you free in every part, in all areas of your life, not just the big one. You know? I mean, we're all thrilled that we've got our names in the book of life and our tickets stamped and we're on our way to heaven. But God wants us to live in complete freedom and authority and power right now. It's not just going to heaven. He wants us to have the abundant life now. And part of that is that we have to learn to, to get free in every part of our lives. Every area where you've been hurt and you have brokenness, God wants to heal that. He wants to restore that. Worship to him, y'all better come back. So that's the, that's the point of today I want you to go home with, is that you have authority in Christ. You have jurisdiction in the kingdom to operate in his power, in his provision and care. It is, it is up to you to figure out how that all works and how it plays out in your everyday life. And you can do that. Jesus said it's, it's been given to you to know the mysteries. And he's given us the keys of the kingdom. We are supposed to know how all this stuff works so we can walk it out every day. The body of Christ needs to rise up and be attached to the head properly so that we're operating in the power and authority like we should be. There should be, there should be signs and wonders in the church. There should be miracles happening. There should be revival taking place. People should be saying, oh no, here come those Christians, the people who turned the world upside down. They're coming here too. I'd love to have someone complaining about that, that I've turned the world upside down. We need to get on board with what God is saying. God's calling us to operate in the power and the authority of the kingdom. So as we worship, I want to invite you to come. We're going to protect uh, together. And um, you get the elements and then take them back, and we'll all protect together here in a minute. So let's stand and worship. I confess, I confess 
night that he was betrayed and, and began that process of giving himself for us, he said, this is my body. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to him and he said, eat. And I think this morning we talked about the fullness of God indwelling Christ as a man. And when we partake of this element representative of his body, we are partaking of the fullness of God. We already have Christ in us, and we are doing this in remembrance of what he did for us and who he is in us. So, Lord, I thank you that your body represents 
all that we need. The fullness of God indwells your body, and we partake of that fullness, Lord. I thank you. You are here this morning to bring life to us. Because where God is, there is life. There is no darkness. There is no, there is no death in God. It's all life and light and love. And Lord, I thank you that your body represents the fullness of everything that God is. And we receive that this morning. Let's break and partake in Jesus' name. The same way Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood, the covenant, the new covenant. It says he, he passed it around, he blessed it, and he passed it and he said, drink it, every one of you, drink it for this is my blood. His blood is the blood that makes us clean and whole. His blood is the blood that washes away all of our sins, and His blood is what gives us the power to overcome sin. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we receive the power of Your blood today. We receive everything that You provided on the cross. And I thank You for it, Lord. Let Your power be poured out in each life today through Your blood as we partake of this juice together. In Jesus' name, let's partake.
my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh Hallelujah. Well, God is good and great, and His mercy is everlasting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done this morning. You have refreshed us. You have restored us, and you are renewing us, Lord, and it is a process that we are embracing and saying, yes, 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 more and more and more. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Hallelujah. Go and be blessed. If you need special prayer, uh, someone will meet you here. And also, don't forget Wednesday night and then Thursday night, we've got the, the special time of uh, prayer for the nation. And Lord, call your people. Call them to a time of prayer that they will respond and know that we need to be interceding. You don't do anything except by the prayers of your people, Lord. Let us become prayer warriors in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.